Hello, it's Vikas Pota, Chairman of the Vaki Foundation. You are listening to a session from our Global Education and Skills Forum, a place where leading politicians, businesses, philanthropists, activists, and of course, the world's best teachers share, debate, and discover new ways for education to transform our world. Keep the global conversation going and share your thoughts on the topics discussed with the hashtag GESF. All right, uh, social media. Raise your hand here if you have, um, as a teachers, educators, and professionals, uh, said already to your kids or your students, uh, you should not post inappropriate or uh, hurtful comments. Raise your hand if you have done that. Yeah, I do that with even my younger, younger students, eight years old, because sometimes they will post something and they, it's gonna be, if you post something, it's gonna be there for a long, long time and it can come and bite you. So as advisory board, we came up with objectives and uh, principle, you know, guiding principles. Uh, you can find them on online, uh, on Facebook, um, they're there. So. Um, some of our objectives, the objectives of uh, a VTA member here is to promote uh, teaching, um, like, um, you know, uh, and elevate the status of teachers, like the chairman said yesterday. And so also promoting teaching, Andrea said that somebody came and told her they want to be teachers. So that's one thing. Another one is collaborate. Uh, and um, look at around you. We are all from different background, different nationalities, different ethnicity, different religion, and we are a diverse group. So um, let's celebrate and this collective diversity. Let's celebrate and, uh, you know, um, so what I mean by media policy, we came up with um, the objectives are Five of them, uh, I, like I said, promote, teach, uh, culti cultivate collaboration, champion leadership and learning, achieve uh, outreach um, through actions, uh, serves as ambassadors. But the guiding principles is respect, equity, uh, advocacy, and impact and growth. Um, we need to respect others. Um, we need to respect uh, because we are so many uh, learning styles around, you know, uh, around the world, you know, uh, especially in education. We need to respect that. We need to respect uh, the other's autonomy. Uh, we need to respect um, when we are um, posting on social media because, you know, um, that includes um, when you're presenting yourself uh, as a VTA. Um, when uh, or a finalist, you need to be careful of what you say on or post on the media. Um, what else should I say? Um, do you have any questions about uh, media, social media? So, in order for us to be successful as um, ambassadors, you know, VTA ambassadors, we need uh, to uphold or we are responsible for upholding this um, the guiding principles and the objectives at all times 
not let your guards down because sometimes we might post something that might be hurtful or inappropriate. So we need to be positive and um, you know, uh, be careful on what you post um, in social media. Um, any questions, I think? Um, Mark, would you like to add something for our guiding principles and um, advocacy, you know? It's just mainly, we yeah. Um, it's really just a matter of, um, we will be reposting those later on tonight as well. Um, they were put up a few weeks ago uh, with invitations to look at those before coming here. Um, I, it's really summed up very nicely. Uh, later on today, when we get into the regional work in particular, um, one thing that's going to be very helpful as we go from country to country, region to region, uh, looking for collaborations, trying to join forces um, and, and promote what we do, really promote the teaching profession is, is terribly important. Uh, it's one of the missions, one of the primary missions that we had uh, ever since Sonny Varkey started this whole program. And so, uh, you know, the, the key component has been online, of course, to be able to communicate with each other, um, share resources with each other. Uh, you'll see some examples of of what people have done, what VTAs have done, combining uh, their programs together, uh, coming up with new programs together, uh, both within the same country and going from continent to continent in many cases. So, you know, um, what, what you end up posting on our, our own VTA sites, we have two different sites, one for the organization, one for what's called VTA in Action, and if you haven't joined those yet, especially for the, the new VTAs, um, please do so. It's, it's a lively community. A lot of different resources are being shared. And, uh, um, but one thing we, we want to be careful of is to keep the work focused. Keep what you put, put um, not personal information. Uh, you know, sh share your awards and, and things that you're doing. Um, in, in your own personal life, on your own personal sites, our job with our sites is to have this community share with each other. Um, in the early days, uh, we, we had some issues with that. Um, a lot of personal stuff was going on there. We really want to try to keep that within the organizational work that you're doing, rather than what you should be putting on your personal sites. So that's probably the, the main thing that we'd want to focus on and, and suggest to you. Um, yeah. I think it's some, yeah, we're here to collaborate, of course, and uh, you know, again, promote our teaching profession and collaborate. Uh, we have so much to offer. You all are experts. Uh, you have, uh, you are the best teachers in the world. You're professional. Act as professional, and um, I think that's about it. Thank you. Any questions about policy? Yes? It's on Facebook. We had, yeah, yeah. It's on Facebook. Facebook groups. Yes.
VTA in action and VTA, uh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, Varki teacher ambassadors, yes. It's posted there, you know, the guiding principles and um, uh, objectives, yes. Uh, the, the, the Facebook, the VTA action and the VTA ambassadors, Varki teacher ambassadors, yes. Well, what happens, we had two sites because the first one was more professional. It's not about your boards and, you know, posting. It's more professional if you, you want to share, collaborate. And the second one, it's more, you know, personal kind of, but in the education, uh, you know, arena, not um, anything. Yeah. Any, okay. I guess um, we're done. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Right, uh, we're going to have a masterclass on social media, and I'm going to invite Paul uh, from Formative, who's the Varki Foundation social media agency, uh, to come up and give you a presentation a little bit more about social media. So we give a round of applause to Soad and for Paul, please. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Um, I feel like you should kind of all say, good morning, Mr. Muggeridge Breen. Um, this is quite uh, unusual for me. I'm getting a little flavor of uh, what uh, your lives are like. I've never taught in a classroom before. I've never given a presentation in a classroom before. Um, but it's good to be here. And I just want to make sure I've got the go-ahead to actually start from the, the camera point of view. Great. I've had my thumbs up. Um, so I'm here today to talk to you about using images to convey your message uh, on social media, obviously. Um, I am Paul Muggeridge, I'm the Managing Director of Formative Content, so as um, Kevin said, we work with um, the Foundation on Social Media for Global Education and Skills Forum and the Varki Foundation. A little bit about me, um, I'm a former TV journalist, work for BBC News, ITN and ABC News in Australia, um, so you can kind of get the idea that uh, I'm quite used to using images and visuals and video um, in everything I do, so I'm kind of... I, I, get the importance of, of visuals uh, and formative content. We're a journalist-led uh, mar content marketing agency, work with big clients around the world. And again, everything we do with them uses visuals in some way on their social media, on their digital platforms, but helping them get their messages across. So again, a kind of real visual focus to everything we do. Visual social media platforms, what are they? N name one. Instagram. Yes, I knew somebody would do it. Instagram, that's kind of the key one, but there are some others. There is Snapchat. Now, is Snapchat a social media network or is it a messaging network? We could have that debate for quite some time, I think, but images are important on that. I think it, you know, it started taking off um, for, in a more social aspect. I think Instagram has really kept it. But what I wanted to kind of emphasize is don't overlook the importance of visuals on Facebook and Twitter as well. They're just as important on those platforms, and I'll come to why in just a second. As we say, Instagram is really what it's all about. And if, if you take one thing away today uh, and you're going to focus on one platform, it would be Instagram. A billion monthly users around the world, that's a billion active monthly users, not just a billion people who have an account and have not used it for six months. A billion people actually using it on a monthly basis. Two billion likes per day on content. So every time you go onto um, Instagram and you like a photo, that counts towards that. Two billion likes a day. I find that figure kind of mind-blowing uh, and just shows you the sort of power of the platform. Uh, and a high engagement rate. So 
Compared to Facebook, uh, content that you put on Instagram generally is much more heavily engaged with, so something like eight times the level that Facebook uh, content is engaged with, something like 2% average engagement rate versus about a quarter of 1%. So in terms of the platform to use for your visual content, Instagram's the one to go with. But why is visual content on social media so important, or what, you know, what evidence do we have that it's so important? Various surveys done, I'm sure there's dozens of surveys like this, but 58% of people in one survey said they preferred visual content. Image tweets, so on Twitter this is obviously, image tweets get 150% more engagement, more retweets than non-image uh, non tweets. So you can see that it's, people find it much more engaging. I think you can all imagine why, as I'm scrolling through your social media feeds endlessly, um, an image that is nice and eye-catching is going to kind of make you stop in your tracks and it's going to make you do something with it, whether that's a retweet or a click or some sort of engagement. And there's a big survey of hundreds of thousands of Facebook posts from last year. And of the top 500 Facebook posts, they found 82% of them were video. 18% were images and only 0.2% were links. So if you share a link to an article, for instance, that's the kind of link there. Some of those have images above them, but that's still in included in that 0.2%. So your images and your videos are by far the most engaging posts that you can have on Facebook. And there'll be similar surveys and similar statistics you can find on any of the social media platforms. Visual content is the way to go. As I said earlier, I was a journalist before I did this, uh, and so I kind of can't stop asking that question. So why visual content? Why is it so important? And we can see that it is important, and we can see the figures for doing it, but why? So I thought I'd just spend a little bit of time talking about that. Humans have been using pictures to record their experiences for 25,000 years. That's quite a long time. So we're quite used to doing it, uh, an attractive picture from approximately 24,500 years ago. I'm making that up. I don't know how long ago it was. The human brain can process entire images that the eye sees for as little as 13 milliseconds. This is MIT research. And I thought I'd run a little experiment here. I want you to look at the board uh, carefully. I call it a board. Look at the screen carefully and tell me if you can see something. What was it? That was 0.13 milliseconds as per the MIT research and you all saw it. And I think the key thing for me is, there he is. You saw the image, but you probably felt stuff as well. I'm guessing one way or the other. I won't, I won't ask, delve into that too deeply. That's the power of images. So less than 13 thousandths of a second, you saw something, your brain took it in, and you actually felt something about it. That's the power of visuals. And there's something about that, something in here. When words enter long-term memory, they do so with a single code. Pictures contain two codes, one visual, and the other verbal, and each is stored in different places in the brain. So that's why images are so powerful and why they're so important in terms of social media and you're getting your message across and communicating. So I just wanted, now that we know that, I just wanted to have a look at a few images just to sort of show you the power of them and why they're so much more powerful than just, you know, something to look at. You might have seen this one this week. So this is Jacinda Ardern, New Zealand Prime Minister, um, in the aftermath of that horrible terrorist attack last week. And for me, it was kind of the perfect, what, perfect powerful image to start with. Because on the surface of it, yes, it's two women hugging. But the fact that Jacinda Ardern is wearing a headscarf, 
and the fact that the person she's hugging is clearly from the Muslim community, given what happens, you can see that all those messages layer on top of each other. And it's about what you're left with and about what you f how you feel when you see the image and all of the, all of the visual cues that play into that. Another very famous image, this is from China in 1989, Tiananmen Square, student protests against the government. Uh, we know where that ended up, but this picture is incredibly famous of one individual student just standing there in the street against a row of tanks. And again, it's what it, what it leaves you feeling that is the key thing to focus on here. It's, it's about the fact that there's a completely unarmed man standing up against the might of these, um, of these tanks. Um, and this one, another very famous uh, picture from September the 11th. Um, it evokes a lot of feelings, obviously, but it's also, I think for me, it's about the fact that it's an in one single person on a day where a lot of the uh, images we were seeing were cityscapes, big you know, buildings, even dust clouds, but always from a very wide angle. This kind of brings home the human impact of what happened that day on a really individual level. But again, I'm trying to think 20 years on, nearly 20 years on, it's what it evokes of the day as well. So it's the, that emotional impact that I think the images have that, that I think is important to focus on. So, having seen why they're important and gone through my journalistic thing, thank you for bearing with me, of why they're important, um, I thought I'd get to the, the stuff you can use, which is how to take great photos and videos for social. Um, if anybody's got any questions at any stage, do feel free to jump in, by the way, but I will just um, work through. Use a phone with a good camera. This is kind of quite uh, a basic one, but it's also really important. I won't go into sort of selling particular brands of camera, but most of the modern ones from either Apple or Samsung are going to have a, a, a camera that was probably better than anything you would have had five years ago, even on you know, professional models of camera. Um, but it does make a big difference to, to the quality of your photos and the way they um, process light and everything. I'm going to say no selfies. I know all rules are, to be, are able to be broken, but if you want a good photo, you're not going to get it as, as a selfie. It's going to be perfect for your personal, um, your personal uh, social media maybe and your photo albums, whatever, a nice shot of somebody with somebody. But if you want a good photo, it's not going to be a selfie. And think about lighting, and this is kind of one of the things that's most often overlooked, I think, when you're taking photos, or taking um, photography in general, is it's, you've got to have the light around you. Um, cameras are very good at kind of like, you know, digitally enhancing pictures, but they can't create light where there is no light. Obviously, they, there's a flash, and that's perfectly acceptable. You're in Dubai. Uh, there's probably going to be quite a lot of light outside, um, so t use that to your advantage. If you're indoors or inside any meeting rooms or anything, just look for where there is a light source. Um, and also use the settings on your camera. So if you are taking a photo on most cameras, I'm not going to go into every single one, but on most cameras, or most phones I should say, if you tap on the brightest part of the image, the camera will do its clever trickery and it will adjust the light balance and it will kind of give you the best, uh, best looking shot that it can give you using that light source. But how you can have a play around with that. So if you tap on different areas of the picture, you will see different um, lighting effects and lighting quality. And you can, just, you can play around with those settings to get you the best possible photo. So have a play with your phone. Crop instead of zooming. Um, so if you zoom on your camera, generally speaking, it's not really zooming. It's just kind of using digital effects to kind of make the picture bigger. And it's gonna, you're going to lose quality. Whereas if you take the picture 
as it stands without any zooming and then you start editing it afterwards using a you know, simple computer program, you're going to get a better quality. So generally speaking, crop instead of zooming. And frame the picture appropriately. Now what do I mean by that? This is kind of, this is really critical, so I'm going to go into this in a bit more detail. The rule of thirds. This is a kind of, again, it's, it's a rule that can be broken by all means, but it's a good way of, if you base, if you start off here, using the rule of thirds or thinking about the rule of thirds, it's somewhere you can at least depart from to break the rule. And the idea of this is, uh, and there's lots of science and lots of reasons why this you know, is, is a thing, but you're going to have to trust me a little bit on this. Um, if you divide a, a, an image up into a grid of three by three, these four points of interest where the red crosses, uh, where the, the three lines intersect and the red crosses are, the eye is drawn to these areas. So if you place your subjects and your areas of interest in those four areas, you create photos that are much more visually appealing and engaging. And we'll give you an example here. So just a shot of, uh, you know, a boat on a nice beach somewhere. Um, you can see that the photographer has placed the main subject, the front of the boat, and the rock formation on these two opposing um, intersection quadrants. And you can see that the, the image that it produces is just visually pleasing. It's, you know, it's almost something you can't quite explain why it's visually pleasing, but it is, and you can see that it feels balanced and it's quite an attractive image. We've got two photos side by side here. We've got rock formation on the left and on the right. If I did a survey of you, most of you would say the image on the right feels better and looks better. And when we apply the grid, you can see why that is. Um, rock formation on the left, just in the middle, rock formation on the, on the right is kind of aligned with the grid and you get the kind of open sky. Um, two boats. Again, some, for some reason, one on the right, most of you would say is the more attractive of the two images. And again, it's because when you overlay the grid, the boat on the right has been placed in the top left-hand quadrant. I won't, don't have to you know, go through too many examples of this, but butterfly on the right obviously looks nicer. The image seems a bit more balanced uh, and just more professional. So use the grid. And the funny thing is, um, other people know about this as well, and including your phone manufacturers almost certainly. And so there are settings you can turn on to help you do this. So you can actually overlay a grid onto your photos as you're taking them and your videos. So in iOS, go to settings, choose camera and switch the grid on. And in Android, launch the camera app, go to settings and switch the grid lines option on. So you can turn the grid line on yourself and start practicing with this today. Um, and you'll find that you'll just gradually over time start taking shots that just feel more balanced and are, are more attractive. And some video filming tips as well. So everything I've said so far applies to video as much as it does to, to your plain images. Um, things about lighting, the rules of thirds, but how to compose your, your pictures, all of that stuff is, is equally important for video. But video has some additional um, issues, shall we say, or additional challenges. The key thing is no sudden movements. Unless you're filming a really, really particular style of video, and I would suggest that none of you do, um, sudden movements are going to make your video look a bit strange. The camera doesn't quite get used to the focus. It all feels a little bit, little bit strange. So just keep your movements slow and sm as smooth as you can. And if you are doing 
moves on your videos. For instance, if I was going to take a video of you, you here and I was going to sort of pan across the room, start and end on some non-moving section. So I would start here for a second, and then I would, I would start recording, and then after a second or so, I would then pan across, and at the end, I would stop. And what this does is it just allows the viewer to kind of get used to what they're seeing before the, the movement starts. It's all about how quickly the brain can process information. So no sudden movements and starting and ending on a bit of static uh, imagery helps the brain understand what it's seeing. And think about audio. And this is a big one for video. If lighting is the most important thing to think about with your still photography, in terms of video, it's about audio. And this is a particularly applies if you're recording somebody speaking at, to you or at you or trying to pick up audio. Um, cameras these days are very good. They've got a lot of technology built in that kind of re removes background audio, and it's got, they've got directional mics. But it's still a phone, and the microphone is still built into it, and it's not got a wire attached to a microphone. And so if you're pointing it at somebody, and they're six to 10 feet away, and you're expecting to get clear audio and hear what they're saying, you're going to be disappointed. So if, if they're standing a couple of feet away from you, you might be fine. But you just need to have this in your mind. So think about it. Do a little test. Work out. It's going to depend on how much background noise there is. It's going to depend on how the person talks, how loudly they talk, how deep their voice is. So just it's something to think about. Don't just expect that you can point a camera at somebody and you'll pick up everything they say. Um, a lot of time in the TV industry and TV news goes into making sure that bit is sorted and the lighting. Um, and so what you see on television is, you know, there's a lot of this, one of these things attached to everybody and, you know, time taken to set it up. So, so make sure you think about the audio. I thought it would be good to um, have a little look at some uh, good practice and bad practice. This is mainly about images, um, but uh, similar things apply to, to video, as I said. And the good thing is these pictures are all taken at GESF last year by um, people, who, uh, delegates at the conference. So these aren't professional photographs. These are just people taking, taking shots. Um, I think this one is just a great example, a nice simple shot. But you can see that the rule of thirds has been uh, observed. So areas of interest are at the kind of intersection points. It's well lit. It's, um, it's framed well. Um, and I think you can just agree it's just a nice photo. It also shows where the person is. It's got the hashtag in. None of, not all of your photos have to have the hashtag uh, in them, but that's, it's a nice example. Um, another really nice example, a um, little bit of humor, which never, never hurts, but the rules of thirds are still being observed. Uh, the lighting is good. The subjects are clear. Um, this one's lovely. Again, um, rules of thirds being, being observed. Just really well lit as well. It's obviously outside with the um, beautiful scenery here at the Atlantis. Um, literally, you know, three of the four area, the three of the four um, intersections in the in the grid have been filled with something. You can see the the image just feels balanced. Um, and this one I thought was quite an interesting one because um, you know it's it, the lighting's less good than the other ones because obviously it's slightly later in the day. But it just, again, feels balanced because you've got a bit of the background, you've got a bit of context of what's going on, and the rules of thirds are being observed. They're not so good. Uh, and I'm not going to use examples of, uh, from last year here, obviously. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Um, you see a lot of shots like this at events. Uh, and you know, yeah, they, they might be fine for you to capture, but in terms of um, sharing them on social media and trying to sort of send a message, 
sorry, I guess you guys can't see this probably, but um, it's not quite clear what the shot is of. The, the guy here has got his back to the camera. These people are all looking down. It's a bit dark. Um, it's just not clear what, what message you're trying to convey with this picture. Um, this one's quite well lit, but it's not at all clear. You know, this woman's got her back. The, the, the speaker at the front is out of focus. There seems to be a whiteboard and a tree, and it's just it's not clear what's going on. Um, so it's about tr trying to think through, you know, what, are you trying to, what message are you trying to convey with the image? Is it about having a great time here? Is it about you guys all meeting up and sharing best, best practice knowledge? What's, what's, the image gonna, what's the image going to, what message is it going to convey? And I'm not sure that one does convey uh, any messages particularly. Um, again, you get lots of shots like this at events. It's out, it's out of focus. It's not centered. Um, it's just not clear what, what the picture is of. Um, and I probably don't need to go into too much detail about that one. I don't even know where to start, really. Um, I, won't, I won't even start. A bit too much light, I think, in that one. Um, before I finish, I wanted to move on. I was going to just talk about the next year. Does anybody have any questions before I move on talking about the next year and what you can do to help? Any questions about anything I've said? Okay, in which case, we need you. So we want to share, I think we, you've probably heard this message quite a few times, we want you to share your content. We want you to take great photos, showing all the great work you're doing, and we want you to share them so that we can then share them uh, on your behalf on the Varky Foundation channel, GESF, GTP. So what do I mean by great content? Video blogs, uh, high-quality images, emotional stories, breakthroughs, country visits, receiving awards. So anything that is significant, you know, anything that's new is a bit different. We want you to sort of share that information with us so that we can then share it more widely. And the hashtag to use, which I think you've seen over the last few days, hashtag Varky Teacher Ambassador. It's what you all are. Use the hashtag in the content in your Instagram posts, tweets, Facebook posts, and we will then be alerted and we can pick that up. I'll leave that up for a second. Varky Teacher Ambassador. And the same applies over the next few days, not just you know, the next year and years to come. We want your experience and insights of GESF as well. So make sure you, do, you share the, um, uh, your examples on Instagram if you at us, at VarkyFDN. Uh, again, we'll be alerted and we can, get, we can sh take your content and we can share it ourselves or like it. Uh, and again, if you use the hashtag, hashtag VarkyTeacherAmbassador, along with the hashtag GESF, of course, as you all know, um, then we'll be alerted to the, to the content and we can then share it as well. I have a question. Yes, it is. Um, I will talk to um, Rebecca about getting that to you. That's fine, absolutely. Any other questions about anything I've shared or anything I've spoken about? Too easy? All right, everybody, thank you very much. Oh, no, hang on, I've got a question. Go on. Uh, no, but we, we, do, we have worked with clients in the past who do use WeChat. Um, it's particularly focused on the Chinese market, I think, isn't it? But, yeah, I don't have one, but I, we have worked with clients who do. I think all the same rules apply. I think when it comes to the images, using images to convey your message, I think the platform is almost irrelevant. I know we use Instagram a lot and we talk about Instagram a lot, but 
I think every country in the world will probably have its own, or lots of countries will have their own specific social media networks that are bigger in their countries or uh, can't be, you know, some of them can't be accessed in certain countries. The messages about visual storytelling are, are universal, doesn't matter what the platform is. Any other questions? All right. Thank you very much. Cheers. Okay, we have about uh, 30 minutes until our, our first coffee break. And yesterday, when we stopped uh, in the middle of our uh, projects uh, for Mrs. Varki to come and give us awards, I said that we would continue. So uh, those people that are doing that, um, I know, Brian, I'm going to start with you, so I'll give you 30 seconds to think about it. Um, just prepare yourself. So it's Yasmin and Brian that we need to finish off with. So I'm going to ask Brian to come up first and talk about... Uh, what's been happening in the States and North America. Thank you. Uh, well, first of all, I really feel underqualified to be up here uh, speaking to this group of teachers. Uh, you guys are simply amazing. Up higher? 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 Okay. Um, it, it is really an honor just to be here, uh, just to, to meet and and socialize with you and just find out the different things that you guys are doing. Um, in the United States, um, you know, we've got some unique issues. Uh, we're having a lot of extreme violence or just violence happening within our schools. You know, violence isn't anything new in schools. You know, kids are kids and kids pick on each other. And some kids don't know how to to deal with each other, whether they're the ones being doing the picking or the ones being picked on. Uh, and, and a lot of times our kids react and they snap and, and they react very, very violently. Uh, it was last year uh, we had an incident in, in Parkland, uh, Parkland, Florida, uh, where we had a, a gunman come in and, um, and, and killed several students. The day after that happened, it was actually Mark um, and uh, Joe, um, uh, Mark and Joe, two of our VTAs, uh, were messaging back and forth and said, we got to do something. You know, as teachers, we're often told what to do when a gunman enters our room. How do we barricade ourselves in? How do we keep ourselves safe? How do we keep our students safe? Well, that's great. It's great to be safe. It's great to barricade ourselves in, but we're not looking at the, the real problem. The problem is we've got kids that are, they don't have the social, emotional learning. They don't understand how to deal with conflict resolution, and so they're, they're doing some really terrible things. But, you know, as teachers, we're the ones in the front line. We're the ones working with the kids on a regular basis. We know our kids better than the administrators. We know our kids better than politicians. The teachers are the ones that are in the best position to make a difference in kids' lives. Now, I'm not an expert on school safety. I, I, I'm struggling to be an expert in just my subject matter, okay? But I'm an expert in, in working with my students. So what we, we did we decided instead of being passive and saying, oh, that's somebody else's responsibility. That's the, the responsibility of the teacher. That's or the, 
not the teacher, but the, that's the responsibility of the principal, the administrator. That's the responsibility of the, the politician. We say it's our responsibility as teachers to, to keep our students safe. And I'm not worried about barricading ourselves in. I'm worried about how do I see, how do I identify the kid that's having trouble, and how do I give them help before they snap? Because if I can solve the root of the problem, I don't have to worry about a kid coming in and reacting in a very violent manner. Let's solve the root of the problem rather than focus in on barricading ourselves into a room and hiding. Uh, so last year, uh, it was actually right after Parkland, um, uh, these two uh, VTAs were talking and said, we got to do something. And it was actually last year at this summit that the Varkey Foundation believed in their vision, and they said, we want to be a part of it. So at the GESF, uh, they gave us a, an opportunity for the, the, the U.S. Uh, VTA delegates that were here to get together. They flew in a few of the kids that started the movement from Parkland, Florida, and we got to sit down and have a chat. That was just wonderful, okay? But, you know, if we just chat, that's great, but what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to talk? Most of you guys are not talkers. You guys are, are teachers of action. So this past year, we took action, and we decided to, to put together a summit. Uh, this was a national summit in the United States to focus in on school safety. And we wanted to answer the question, why are so many kids acting out so violently? How do we identify these kids, and how do we get them help before they act out in such a violent manner? And that was, the, that was the focus. It's not focused on barricading ourselves in. It's not focused on how do we discipline better. Our focus is how do we identify kids and help them before. So we had a summit um, about three weeks ago in my hometown of Alabama. Um, we, we had the, uh, a group uh, there in the United States called the National Life Group. They were actually our title sponsors and helped fund this. Uh, they do a, a, a teacher prize. Well, it's actually not a teacher prize. It is a school prize. They will recognize one of the top school employees, whether it is a cafeteria worker, somebody that cleans the, the, the rooms, the, what we call a custodian. could be an administrator. It could be a teacher. Anybody that works in the school system can apply for this. Um, so they are the ones that partnered with us to, to put this on, and it grew even larger than that. Instead of a summit, we've also started the National Coalition for School Safety. And we have several of the VTAs here that are founding members of this coalition, but it's about a movement. Our teachers are beginning a movement in the United States. How do we take back our schools and get kids the help that they need? How do we teach them conflict resolution? How do we teach them to be good uh, moral citizens uh, growing up in our world? Um, I think we're going to be talking about this a bit more, I think, uh, tomorrow. Okay? Um, but anyway, I appreciate you guys uh, uh, listening to me, but it's just a passion project, and it's not a subject that I'm an expert on. Okay? But as teachers, we can't be passive and just say, oh, somebody else is going to do it. 
you know, I, I charge you guys to be the leaders and step out and, and you guys be the change makers. You guys be the ones changing the world because that's, that's what you guys do on a daily basis. But anyway, I thank you so much. And we've got Yasmin from Malaysia. Assalamualaikum everyone. Okay, my name is Yasmin and I'm from Malaysia. I was a top 50 fundist in 2015. Okay, so like you, the new uh, members of the top 50 finalists, yeah? When I first uh, got the news, uh, there was a top 10 from Malaysia, okay, Dr. Madanjit Singh, and he told me this. He said that sometimes you may be chosen for what not, for what, for not what you have done, but for what you're about to do, okay? And that's powerful. At that time, I didn't realize it. But then, as I go along, um, five years back until today, okay? And I'm sure that um, in a while, if you go outside there, you can see my picture and my students, okay? We won the Brian Lara Prize uh, back in 2017, where I uh, took my students to hike Mount Kinabalu. That's the highest point in Malaysia at 4095.2 meters. Okay, um, I didn't reach, okay. <laughs> I reached 2,700 before AMS, acute mountain sickness got over me, but my students did. And the most amazing part of it is that Brian Lara himself came to see us in Malaysia in July last year. Okay, and it was so amazing. Someone so big, but yet so humble, and he came to see me and my students in Malaysia. And the most powerful thing he told my student was that, no matter what you want to achieve in life, education is the answer. Education is number one. And he said that education made him a better player in cricket. So my students were sitting down and we were all awe of him. And of course, he treated us to a good lunch. Okay, so that's fine. Yeah. And um, another amazing thing that I want to share with you is that when I first entered uh, into the Global Teacher Prize, uh, well, sharing, yeah, I would call it sharing. It's not really a competition, right? who am I against, uh, you know, all the top teachers in the world. But um, the thing that I put there, if I want, if I want the one million US dollars, I want to have a modern science lab, or now I call it a STEM lab. And recently, I was uh, sponsored about 210,000 to have that lab in my school, plus a forensics lab, and now waiting for my uh, forensic uh, microscope, okay? It's expensive, okay? 17,000 from US, all right? But at least the goal is achieved. So check, yeah? Okay. So to all the top 50s, okay, it doesn't matter whether you're top 50, top 10, or the one who's going to win over the weekend, but the dream has to go on, okay? You have to realize the dream that you put on the website in the Global Teacher Prize website. So Nancy, Hanan, Maggie, Andrea, Yasmin, I won because I already have the lab. Yeah? So now check and what else? All right? So I think that's about it. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Varki Foundation, for this. Yeah?